I'm Russ Boris, and this is 8-Track. This time we have two guest DJs, Rivers Cuomo and Pat Wilson of Weezer. With Rivers as frontman and Pat on drums, Weezer has been crafting some of the finest power pop records of the past two and a half decades. I spoke with the guys just after the release of OK Human, which expanded the Weezer sound with a 38-piece orchestra. But for 8-Track, we got to hear what else was inspiring them. Happy to welcome Pat Wilson and Rivers Cuomo of Weezer to the show. Hello. Hello. Hello, hello. Now, considering OK Human was recorded with a 38-piece orchestra, this particular song sounds like a perfect place to start. Rivers, could you tell me about Randy Newman? I don't know a lot about Randy Newman, but um, at the very beginning of making this album, uh, the producer, he had the idea for the album. He said, you should make an an album like uh, Nilsson Sings Newman. It's an album from the early, mid-70s. I'd never heard of it before. And he gave me a copy and I listened to it a lot. And then that really got me started writing the songs for the album. And then I started listening to Randy Newman some more. And this song popped up on my playlist one day. It was kind of after we'd just finished OK Human. And I was really struck by how much our record kind of ended up sounding like this it's uh him and a piano and then the big orchestra and same chord progression as as uh, the single on our record and um i was just struck by how beautiful it was this is randy newman louisiana 1927 on a track six feet of water in the streets of Guys, what was the biggest challenge in recording this new record during a pandemic? I'm sure there's, you know, a hundred different things, but if you could narrow it down to a couple. Well, the record was actually, a lot of it was recorded before the lockdown. So we kind of just, just snuck in before things got locked down and there weren't really any problems at all. It was it went really fast. And I think Pat would agree. Like we just went to Jake's uh, house one day, set up in his living room and played through the songs a couple times. And that was it. But then there, the lockdown started and it came time to add all these uh, or, the orchestra instruments. And you got like trombones and trumpets and clarinets and people like blowing spittle in, uh, on the back of each other's heads and um, luckily we didn't have to endure any of that it was it was all on them though I did get to see it on zoom excellent Pat what were your impressions of the recording well uh, again like in the very beginning when we tracked the drums at Jake's house with just me Jake and Rivers and, and Jake's brother it was just so fast like we just it was all very fresh to me and uh I'm so happy with the way it turned out because it feels very free, but still really together. All right, so we'll get to your first pick uh, here, Pat. What is it about Bon Iver? Come on, skinny love, just let's sing it. To pour a little salt, we will never eat. My, 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 my. Is it... Justin Vernon's falsetto? Is it just sort of the, you know, the woodsy feel, the vibe, the wintry 
you know, what is it about uh, this particular song? I'm not qualified at all to talk about Bon Iver, Good Winter, I believe. Hmm. But uh, I don't know. I just heard this song. I'm like, this is fantastic. Every time I hear the way he plays acoustic guitar, it's a very distinct feel. It's just highly musical to me. So I'm glad that 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 guy's making music because it's always pretty high quality. Bon Iver and Skinny Love. And I told you to be patient And I told you to be fine And I told you to be balanced And I told you to be kind And in the morning I'll be with you And it will be a different kind And I'm holding all the tickets And you'll be owning all the fine It's a track with Pat Wilson and Rivers Cuomo of Weezer. I got off of Noah's Ark I turned my cheek to one kind remark That was two of everything But one of me John Prine and Sweet Revenge on 8-Track Rivers, your pick there of John Prine When did you discover his music? <laughs> I was afraid you would ask that I think it was right after he died uh, Which was very recently Take it back, take it back Oh no, you can't say all these stories started coming up in my news feeds like, wow, one of the great songwriters just passed away. And I'm like, wait a minute, I've been a professional songwriter for like 30 years and I've never heard of this guy. What, what, what is wrong with me? So I started checking it out. And sure enough, it's unbelievable. It's so good. I caught an on a plane. An English teacher half insane. Making up jokes about bicycles, boats, and red balloons. I just love like the attitude in that song. It, just, it gets me pumped up. I got kicked off of Noah's Ark. I turned my cheek to unkind remarks. There was two of everything but one of me. This is so cool. I mean, there's a million of those lyrics in Prime songs. I mean, you, you plucked a good one, though, for sure. Yeah. Uh, after I picked the songs for to play today, uh, I noticed that almost all of them are from 1973. Wow. Which is total coincidence. Or I, I, maybe it's something going on with me. And one of them is from 1968, but there's, I guess there's some, something weird about that year with me right now. All right, anyway, sorry. I just well, you're going you're going through history, and that's actually where I was going. I was I was wondering, do you remember the first time you and Pat got together to play music? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I I had moved to from Connecticut to Hollywood with my metal band. We were like super shred metal band, and um, we broke up. the The rest of the guys moved back home, and I got a job at Tower Records, and and through a friend there. I, I set up a jam session with some new musicians and one of them was Pat and uh, coming from the metal background uh, it was like I didn't quite know how to to relate to what was going on in the rehearsal room it was like these guys are from a slightly different background and uh, it wasn't all about shredding it was more about feel um, so I think it, it kind of devolved into um, covers of Rush or something Pat do you remember? <laughs> Yeah, like I think we played two or three things with me on drums, and then 
somehow I, I went to the bass and then, it, <laughs> and then we, we started playing Rush songs and I think I just I think I remember you, you being like 40. I I, kind of, I think I got ended up a little alienated, <laughs> but um, so hilarious. But we kept at it, and here we are. Yeah. <laughs> we, we refused to stop. Uh, Rivers, what was the metal band's name that you were in? You're not going to believe it, but we were called Zoom. <laughs> That's not true. It's, it's true. true. It's true. Yeah, you can Google search. Uh, my metal band Zoom and see some pretty hilarious photos. That is pretty hilarious. Um, I, I will certainly do that. Now, you mentioned you were also working at Tower Records at the time. Now, was that more for uh, the discount? Um, well, I needed a job. I needed to pay rent and buy groceries. Uh, but more than that, it just it seemed like the coolest place in the world. Um, this is back before you know anybody could listen to any song whenever they want. Um, so it was like it was a real treat to even be in the store. Yeah. And, you know, there's all this music here. And and apart from that, like when you're working there, you're there 40 hours a week. And and there's so many employees there that are like uh, very deeply educated about the history of music. And uh, they just schooled me. Um, and I, I over the, the year and a half I was there, I went from like exclusively heavy metal to getting turned on to Sonic Youth and Pixies and Nirvana and Beach Boys, Van Morrison, all kinds of things I never would have come across on my own. Yeah, there's something really magical about working in a record store back in the day, for sure. Yeah. It's 8-track with the guys in Weezer. Pat, I, I love where you went for your next pick because I think I think all too often people can sometimes be sort of elitist and sort of dismissive. But there is something to say, you know, you cannot discount the importance of really good pop music. So what is it about Don't Start Now from Dua Lipa that you love? Well, in this lockdown period, we used to go to the gym a lot. And so we stayed home and started doing workouts in the driveway. And this song popped up on the workout playlist. I was immediately like, whoa, that sounds good. That sounds professional and tight and has a sick groove, like the musicianship is high and you can just tell it's a high quality production from start to finish. Don't show up, don't come out, don't start caring about me now, walk away, you know how, don't start caring about me now. Everything I've heard from her since then I thought was top notch. So uh, I just thought I'd throw that in there as something a little more modern. It's a track with Weezer as we go back to 1973. All is fair in love. Love's a crazy game. You know, it's been said a million different ways and a million different times, but the reality of it is, it's never wrong to play Stevie Wonder. Going back to 1973's Inner Visions and All in Love is Fair. Rivers, you could have chosen 50 different Stevie Wonder songs. Why that one? All has changed with time. Yeah, I'm going through a huge Stevie Wonder phase right now. I'm, I'm listening to a bunch of those records from the 70s. They're all so good. This is one of the first songs that really just took me by the throat and said, 
I am amazing. <laughs> um, and one of the things that really caught my attention was there's some kind of restraint going on in his voice that I don't really associate with singers of his power. Singers that have such amazing power, they, they tend to throw in, uh, you know, all kinds of melismas and ornaments and just an insane amount of vibrato. And it's just not my thing. It turns me off. But when he gets to that money moment where at the, the top of the chorus he says, all is fair in love, and he just hits it totally straight for like three seconds. There's no vibrato, no little scoop, nothing. Um, and it's right on the beat. And he just hangs on that totally straight note. At the, at the end, he puts a little vibrato, but it just sounded so sincere to me. And this just really sucked me into this TV Wonder world right now. suite in the 70s that you're referring to is pretty amazing. You definitely can't go wrong. Uh, Pat, you know, you guys together have unintentionally set up probably what is the most um, diverse segue that we're going to have uh, during a track today. Van Halen and Sinner Swing. I know that there is a, there's a story about this. Um, is it is it Alex Van Halen? That's the influence. He was a drummer. Is that where this one comes for you, Pat? Well, when Rivers was little, he loved Kiss, but I loved Van Halen. Like, even when I was very young, like seven, eight years old, I was like, okay, my, I had an older cousin who, who like dropped off Van Halen one to my house. And I just have always loved Van Halen. I guess you couldn't love both. Like, did anyone love both? It's one of the. Did other. it have to be either or? I, I don't know. My next door neighbor was a huge Kiss fan. I remember, like, the big argument in fourth grade was Peter Chris is the best drummer in the world. And I'm, like, listening to Rush. I'm like, no, like, no, that's not. <laughs> so I don't know. I think he can probably be a fan of both. Does he not get points for Beth? Can we at least give him Beth? <laughs> he got all the points for Beth. All right, there you go. Anyways, this song is insane. It's a super deep cut, and uh, I won't be mad at anybody who's mad for me picking it. It's one of my all-time favorite Stoker rock and roll songs. Fun fact, it's a swing, so it's like... And the riff goes... I can't hear it that way. I hear it. So it's ridiculous. Like when you hear it, you'd be like, what's wrong with it? In many ways. And now for something completely different. It's Loretta Lynn. If you don't want to go to Big City, you better detour around my town. Because I'll grab you by the hair of the head and I'll lift you off of the ground. 
we've had a lot of surprises over this string of songs, and maybe the biggest one right there, uh, Fist City. Rivers, talk to me a little bit about the, you know, the reason you chose this particular song. Uh, I just love it. I'm so impressed. Um, I have a hard time writing angry songs. They just always sound like totally unsympathetic. Like I just listen back to it. I'm like, God, I'm a jerk. <laughs> but she just sounds so cool and charming, like in the midst of her rage. And uh, at first I assumed like, oh, you know, probably was written by some natural songwriter guy for her. But um, I looked it up on Wikipedia and it's like she wrote the song and it's entirely a true story. Like she'd go out on tour and her husband was cheating on her. And there was a very specific woman she wrote this song to and uh, she got banned from the radio after it came out. (laughs) It's just amazingly cool. Who knew Loretta Lynn was so gangster? (laughs) And you know what, Pat, that's actually where I was going to go here because you know, you look at something, you know, like Dolly and the, the reverence there is for Dolly Parton and a song like Jolene, which is just, you know, upper echelon, but it's a completely different character. Loretta Lynn is like, no, that's not me. That's not how I'm going to react to this situation. <laughs> You're going to go to Fist City. <laughs> I'm taking you there. That's the best. I never heard that song. It's amazing. So we had a little Redolin. We had uh, we had a little bit of Van Halen, and that's been super fun. Rivers, you talked about... Um, not being able to write, you know, certain angry songs, but you know, do you do you take a look at something like this? Maybe not the the Loretta song necessarily, but do you have certain songs where, you're, man, I wish I, I wish I wrote that one, or I wish I could write sort of like that? Do you have that as a songwriter, sort of hoping you could do things slightly differently than you're accustomed to? Uh, yeah, I'm all the time, and um, I I mean every song every song I played today is this. I just admire them so much. I wish I could do that. Um, I'm totally fine with the songs you write already. <laughs> uh, it's cool. There's so much. There's just so much unexplored territory still. There's things uh, I just haven't figured out how I can do, like like angry songs. Um, but and then there's just totally um, new kinds of musical frontiers, like that Stevie Wonder song. I, I I like have no idea what those chord progressions are. I'd have to go back and really study it. And in spite of having done this for decades now, it's like, it's so great that there's all this unexplored terrain out there. And what is the difference, you know, between the two, you guys, you know, your choices here were pretty diverse. If you break it down, you know, Rivers, you had, you had Stevie, you had Loretta, you had Randy Newman, you had John Prine, you know, Pat, we've got Van Halen, you got Dua, yeah, you got Dua Lipa, you got Bon Iver. So where do you guys meet in the middle in terms of, you know, the creative process? I'm all vibe. Like, I just want to make things feel good and be engaging. And and I think Rivers is far more strategic, you know. That's, as a composer and a songwriter, I think you, you, you just have a different perspective on what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, I do know that it's, like, we're very essential to each other. Um, my, my songs feel kind of two-dimensional until I, I bring him to Pat and the band and um, it's just amazing to watch him 
come to life into like suddenly uh, 3D, HD, 8K, whatever. It just uh, it it really becomes a living, breathing thing. Earlier, you know, we had the sort of you know Kiss versus Van Halen argument. You know, do you have songs you bring to each other like, oh, I dig this, or you know, do you find commonality in that just in terms of your personal taste? Yeah. Um, it's not a perfect overlap. There's definitely things each of us likes that the other doesn't like, but there, there's a lot of overlap. Well, for instance, uh, the song, the next song we're going to play, I think I got turned on to by Rivers because he had this record and uh, along with a couple other records at the time, like, uh, of course I'm blanking now, but like, uh, who, who did Spaceman 3 turn into? Spiritualized. Oh, yeah. There was this period of like super vibey music. It, it had a huge influence on me. Or like faux text and like completely ripped up drum and bass. And uh, it's funny how like after all this time, I'm still super into to that period. When I went, I went and visited Rivers in Boston a couple times to just mess around with music uh, while he was going to school. Yeah. It's like this uh, real drony music, and we both got super deep into it. You're um, you're setting up this song, Pat. Yeah, pretty influential record if you go back to introducing in the mid '90s from DJ Shadow. What is it about Changeling for you? He claims that all the samples on this record are extremely well known and easy to find. I think uh, I've heard one that I could recognize. So, to me, I'm I'm fascinated with that sort of artistry of somebody who can take bits and pieces of what's already out there, of which there is a gigantic amount, and come up with something that is new, like legit new sounding. Every time I hear this track, I just I just love the groove on it. It's just, it's the dick. Pat Wilson and Rivers Cuomo of Weezer. Guys, thanks so much for doing this. This has been a blast. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having us. DJ Shadow and Changeling, our closing song picked by Pat Wilson of Weezer. Thanks again to Pat and Rivers Cuomo for joining me, and be sure to check out our next 8-Track episode with Laura Jane Grace. 8-Track is engineered by Jim O'Hara and produced by Sarah Wardrop. Subscribe, listen, and learn more at 8trackpod.com. I'm Russ Boris for WFUV in New York.